Oh, good morning, guys. How y'all doing this morning? I'm not Joel Halpin, who is our pastor here. I'm Phil Collins. I'm an elder here at Connection Point Church, and Joel's getting to spend some time with his family this week. They're on vacation, and I hope, I hope that they're getting to rest, relax, and have a great time. But I'm so excited to be up here today to be able to preach and to continue our sermon series that Joel started a little over a year ago called To the Ends of the Earth. And it's the story of us of following Paul as he goes on his missionary journeys to the ends of the earth. Well, on January 1st, 2015, I got a text message from my wife, and it was a picture, and it was a picture of a positive pregnancy test. Yeah, yeah it was awesome. And this was going to be our third tri- child at the time. We had Lila and, and Violet. And we were really excited, and then yada, 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 on February 23rd, 2016, uh, Evelyn Rose, our third daughter, was born. And you guys might be wondering, was Courtney really pregnant for 13 months? And the answer is no, she wasn't. But see, I glossed over a few of the details of how we got to where we were at that point, and definitely to where we are today. At this point now, we not only have Evelyn Rose Collins, but we've got Lucas Paul Collins, and we've got our bookend boy, right? Yeah. Yes, and that is so exciting. But again, I glossed over a few details. You see, I got that text message and was real excited on January 1st, and then on March 26th of 2015, uh, something a little bit different happened. I was at a meeting across town, and Courtney was at what was supposed to be a normal uh, just doctor check-in at the OBGYN, go in, check a few things, pop on out, everything's cool, right? Because that's how it had been with the first couple uh, ladies that we had. So I figured, why would this time be any different? And so I'm at that meeting, and I get a phone call, and I ignore it the first time. I ignore it the second time. And then the third time, I picked up because Courtney and I had talked before, hey, if it's in a real emergency, uh, if it's not an emergency, just call. I'll call you back. But if there's something really going on, you know, keep trying until <laughs> one of us picks up. So I pick up the phone. And the first thing that she says is, there's no heartbeat. And I'm so confused because I'm distracted in the meeting that I'm in. And it was just me and one other person, but still, I was just real distracted. And I said, what do you mean there's no heartbeat? And I walked out of the room, and I was thinking it was one of my uh, kids that was either Lila or Violet, right? And which would have been weird. Why would they have not have a heartbeat at school? But that was what was going through my mind. I wasn't even thinking, I was just thinking about myself and what was going on with me. I wasn't thinking that my wife was at a doctor's appointment and maybe there was something wrong uh, with the pregnancy. And so she tells me again, there's no heartbeat. And I'm like, oh, you're at the doctor. And sure enough, there is no heartbeat. And I jump in my car and I start to head to the doctor's office. And I get there. um, I come inside and she's on a table. And they've got like this real high-tech sonogram that shows blood flow and all those different things. And sure enough... It's all blue, and there is no heartbeat. And that was really tough. I mean, I felt like, and I know my wife did for sure, that she had no heartbeat at that point, that life was just paused, like that moment where you don't even know how to think, how to feel, right? And we had a plan. We had had two girls already. We were going to have another baby. We didn't know at this point uh, what the sex of the baby was, but hey, we had already had two, no issues. We were going to have the third, and we were going to keep on going. But it did not turn out the way that we thought. And so you would look at us today, again, our family of four with our bookend boy and everything's great. What a happy family. That's exactly how 
uh, they, they pictured it, I bet. I bet you, you know, they, they're just so happy with the things are. But what you don't know is we're selling a house right now, and a friend gave us a, a rose bush um, a couple years ago when this happened, and we planted it there. And that rose bush is definitely coming into the new house. But that's why our daughter's middle name is Rose, Evelyn Rose. So there's so much, right? There's so much pain, and there's so much growth, and there's so many other things that if I just gloss over all that, and you just get to hear all the good things, then you don't get to see what made my wife the woman that she is today, which is freaking awesome, um, and then what made me the man that I am, what makes the kids, the fact that I have two kids that maybe wouldn't have been here if we had had that other boy, which, by the way, was supposed to be a boy, which is crazy because we had one here uh, recently, and I'm really excited about that. But, you know, we, we never know what the story would have been if it had gone the way that we thought that we wanted it to go. And that's what we're going to talk about today is when God says no... What do we do? What do we do? Man, this is hard. Sorry. Give me two seconds. <laughs> what do we do when God says no? But there's hope. There's hope. That was a line in a play I was in recently. I just felt like I was like back in that. Sorry. <laughs> there's always hope. But anyways, all right. So like I said, we're going to be continuing our sermon series to the ends of the earth, following Paul's journey. And we're going to pick up today on his second missionary journey. But because it's been a while since we've been in this sermon series, just wanted to kind of catch you back up on where Joel last left off. We were in Acts 15, and what we were uh, studying there is that Paul and Barnabas have been sent back to Jerusalem, and there's going to be a council. And the specific uh, topic at this council with apostles and elders and other important people in that area is they're trying to decide if circumcision is necessary for new Gentile converts to have right standing with God. In other words, is it something that is 100% necessary for them to follow Christ? Well, Peter gets up in this and starts to talk about how it's not fair to put this yoke, to put this weight on these new Gentile converts, right? I mean, maybe you don't have a relationship with Christ or you can remember back before you did, but you know, if, if all of a sudden someone's saying, hey, yeah, Jesus loves you, he died on the cross for you, um, all you gotta do is have faith in him, but there's also... This thing here, I know you're a grown man, but you also have to be circumcised if you're going to follow the law correctly and do everything. And so the Pharisees are the ones that are really driving this. They're the ones that do follow the law perfectly, and so they want these new people, these new converts to do the same. But Peter makes his case and says it's not fair that we do this to them. Let's make it easier for them to convert. And so um, it is decided that you do not, it's not necessary to be circumcised uh, to follow the law or to have a relationship with Christ. And so what we're going to pick up today is, is Paul and Silas. So Barnabas has gone a separate way with John Mark. They're going to go share the word uh, somewhere else. But Paul and Silas are going to take off with this message um, of what they've just learned here at this council. And they're gonna, their hope is, is to go to the churches that Paul started on his first missionary journey, strengthen those churches, tell them this new news, and uh, possibly create some new churches along the way. And so today uh, we'll be in Acts 16. So if you want to go ahead and get there on your phone, it's going to also be on the screen. Uh, we're going to start in verse 1 and work our way through. So Acts chapter 16, verse 1. Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers of Lystra and Iconium, Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. 
As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them the observance, the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in their numbers daily. So when I read this the first time, the whole passage that we're going to go through today, in my mind, I, wasn't, I didn't have all the context immediately, and I was just glossing over a lot of the different things that were happening here, because there's a, there is a lot happening. But, but now that you know the context of what happens in Acts 15, and we get here in the first couple verses, and they've decided that it's not necessary, right, to be circumcised, yet the first thing that Paul does when he shows up to Timothy is he's like, hey, look, I know it's not necessary, but since you are a Jew because your mom was a Jew, you took on her religion, well, we're about to go talk to a bunch of Greek men and uh, Jews and synagogues and things like that, and in order for you to go in there and be taken seriously, or even to enter at all, you're going to have to be circumcised. And so Timothy takes one for the team and gets <laughs> circumcised, because again, it's not necessary. He doesn't have to do it, but Paul asks him to do it, and Timothy does it so that they uh, don't have anything that's hindering them as they go and want to reach these different people along the way. And so Timothy is now going to go with them on their journey. So now you've got Paul, Silas, and Timothy, and they're going to continue on on their journey, going to the places that they want to go where they believe they need to take this news and spread the gospel. And so everything's great. I mean, we could just stop here and uh, go back and look at that last verse that says, so the churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in their numbers daily. And we could all go out of here and be like, yeah, 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 you just go and you, you do the things that you want to do. And yeah, God's going to bless that for sure. But what we have to do is we have to look at this next section. And what it's specifically titled is the Macedonian call. But there's some information in there that we could just miss and say, that it's just the, the call that Paul got, but there's so much more to it. So let's jump in there, Acts 16, verse 6. And they went through the region, and apologize, I don't know how to pronounce every single one of these. I'm going to give it my best. All right, sounds good. <laughs> and, they, and they went through the region of Phrygia, and it catches me every time, and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So, passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. And so we could look at the title of this little section here, the call, uh, the Macedonian call, and we could say, yeah, Paul got his call. But really what it was is Paul got shut out. So Paul, it wasn't in Paul's plans to go to Macedonia. Before he even had this vision, he was told no twice. The first time he was told no was in verse 6. It says, the Holy Spirit forbid, it, forbid them to go to Phrygia and Galatia. And then in verse 7, it says that when they wanted to go to Mysia, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So they've been shut out twice. Well, he finally gets the call later on, but it wasn't until he was shut out twice. And so from his perspective, 
Paul has to be thinking, all right, hold on. So I've, I've got good news, the good news, the story that I'm trying to go tell, the, the new information. I know where I want to go do it, but God, you're not letting me go there? Like, we could maybe think the same way. I know a lot of you are going to go on a mission trip here soon, and uh, I've been on a couple, and it, it does feel that way sometimes. Like, you go into a place, and you have an idea of how you think it's going to go, and it does not. And it's, I, I forget the boxer that says it. Uh, maybe it's Mike Tyson. Maybe someone can help me on it. Like, you have, a, you have a plan until you get hit the first time. And that's kind of how it is with Paul here. He has a plan, but it all changes when God says no the first time and, again, the second time. Bless you. But what's so awesome about the nose and then the call is that if you look closely, you've got the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, and then God is the one that calls them to preach the gospel, to go on to Macedonia and preach the gospel. So you have the Trinity here in this little section here, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, and God. And I think what's so cool about that is that when we as new believers, you've heard it before, I'm sure all of you have, we ask Jesus into our heart, right? But we technically don't ask Jesus into our heart. We ask the Holy Spirit to live inside of us so that we can have him living in us, so that we have a relationship with Christ, the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit, God, and Jesus are all three in one. And so it's just interesting here how all are used um, to to push Paul in the direction that he needs to go. It's not just that he heard God say something. He, like He's feeling something inside of him, saying we don't know exactly why he didn't go to these other places. But there was obviously a push, a tug, a pull, something saying no. Maybe it was an actual barrier that kept him from doing it. But then he does get a distinct call from God in a vision, and God is calling them to go there. The other important thing, uh, it might be hard to miss. Put the text back up there, please, uh, starting in verse 6 one more time. Um, so if you notice through everything that the writer's been um, doing at this point, he's speaking in a tense of they and them. Um, he's telling the story from someone telling him the story. But as we get to verse 10, it changes. And we know that it's Luke that's writing Acts, uh, the same writer that wrote the book of Luke. And now we know that he is along for the ride because it says there, and when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. And now, not only is Luke seeing or hearing everything secondhand from uh, Paul, Timothy, and Silas, but now he's a part of the journey, and he's going to continue on with them. So up to this point, you know, if maybe Paul's telling this story, let's say to Luke, it might, and he kind of leaves out the nose, right? Paul could seem like he's got it all together. Like, yeah, I meant to do that. Yeah, you know, we were going to go here, but I really knew that, uh, you know, it was probably just better we go to Macedonia. No big deal. And it could be kind of like that. I meant to do that moment. And maybe you've had some of those in your life. Um, I was trying to think of an example of mine. And my, uh, the one that I thought of that would be best apply was back in 2004, um, I was playing, uh, it was my senior year of baseball, and we got an opportunity to play at the ballpark in Arlington, and it was a great opportunity. It was just a regular game, but it was still, it's going to be fun to go and play in a big league ballpark. And so I had no expectations really for the day, just that I wanted to go and, and have a great time. Um, so we get, we get there, I get up to bat for the first time, pretty nervous, 
Uh, thank goodness we were just playing against high school players. We weren't playing against the Rangers or anything like that. It would have been a little bit different. But I get up to the first at bat, and I hit a single, and I'm feeling really good about myself. I got a hit in a major league ballpark. Man, this is awesome. All right, great, great. And then my second at bat, I get up there, and I hit a double down the third baseline, and now I'm feeling really good. I'm like, all right, great. Two for two. This is good. This is good. I had no expectations going in. Um, I'm feeling pretty good about that. But then I got up on my third at bat, and this would be my last at bat for the day. Um, and I'm up there, and I was, a first, I was a guy that swung at the first pitch a lot. I mean, if it was even close to the zone, I'm swinging because I was aggressive, and I wanted the pitcher to make a mistake early and hit the ball, um, usually on a fastball. So that's what I was looking for. And he throws the first pitch, and it's a high curveball uh, a little bit over my head. Um, well, my dad's videotaping. And I'm going to show you here in just a minute. But he's, he's in the stands with my granddad, uh, who, who later would pass away in 2006. But he was a huge baseball fan. So he's there at the game. My dad's there. My dad's videotaping. The quality is not great. Remember, it's 2004. He's got like, you know, a little video camera that's like 430p or something like that. It's just not real high quality. So um, anyways, uh, him and my granddad are going back and forth. And my granddad says something like, man, glad he didn't swing at that pitch. And my dad... And you'll see in the video, uh, says this. More than just No, keep it on. Oh, the, the glory days, right? Are oh, you going to play it again? Oh, man, thank you. Well, you can't tell him this, but uh, Joey's there. He's, he's on the field. Uh, John Roan, who's not here today, he's there. And then Clint Rebels, who also goes to this church, are out there too. And uh, right, the glory days. So awesome. But my point is, is that I had no plans to do that that day. My whole plan was to go in, try my best, um, maybe get a hit, play well, um, and just enjoy being there with my friends and my teammates and uh, have a great day. But it kind of seems like that's how, Paul, how things are going for Paul. I mean, he has a plan, but it's going a little bit too well. And so it, it almost seems like just like that day I could have been like, yeah, I meant to do that. I meant to hit a home run. That eh, was my plan all along. But it wasn't my plan. And even though Paul has a perfect plan, uh, what he thinks would be a perfect plan, it's not. God has a better plan for him. And he's not done working. We're going to continue in chapter 11 here, in, or verse 11 here in a second. And Paul's already... Uh, got Timothy that's joined him on his journey. Now he's got Luke, and he's, they're going to continue to Macedonia, and God is going to continue to put people in his life that are going to forever shape his missionary journeys down the road. So uh, chapter 16, verse 11. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony. And we remained in this city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. Go ahead and put the map up there, please. I'm going to be honest. I meant to show this to you guys earlier. But I'm just going to try to give you a little bit more context of where uh, Paul and Silas started where they've gone, where they wanted to go, and where they are right now. So 
Down here at the bottom is Jerusalem, where it says Judea, and that's where they got started. So they left there with their message, and they headed up north, and then they went left, west, and then now they're over here in the orange in that area over there is where they're at in Macedonia, on the far west side of the map. So east is back this way. So Paul's, uh, remember, Paul wanted to go west. He wanted to go to Asia. This is actually Asia Minor right here. Um, This is not Oriental Asia. So where he really wanted to go was into Galatia, Bithynia, and that way, and head back up to what would be China and places like that. Most of this here in the middle, where the Aegean Sea is, that's modern-day Turkey. And so they've made their way around there. God's told them, no, you can't go that way. I want you to go this way. And so now they're there in Philippi. Philippi is in Macedonia, and that's where they're at right now when they are here at the river. Come on, technology. Here you go. Go back to the verse if you don't mind. And so now they're going to meet somebody else that's going to make an impact in Paul's missionary journey. And in verse 14, it says... One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira. She was a seller of purple goods and was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized in her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. So we know that Lydia is probably somebody that is doing well for herself because She loves Jesus. That's number one. But also, she's a seller of purple goods. And back in this time, somebody that would sell purple goods would be someone that would have some money. Also, we know that she invites Paul, uh, Timothy, Silas, and Luke back to her house. So her house had to be big enough for all these guys to come over and hang out. And she obviously had a household as well, meaning she probably had maybe some servants or some people there that helped her with her home and that were all baptized as well, right? So we know that she's somebody that's, that's well off, that's doing well. And Paul wasn't supposed to meet her. Remember back at the beginning, we talked about the fact that Timothy was circumcised, right? Because they knew that they wanted to go find Greek men in synagogues. And so now is the big chance. They've gotten, their call. they've gotten the nose. Now they've gotten the call. So now it's game time. I can just imagine them on their way there saying, all right, so when we get to the synagogue, you're going to do this, I'm going to do that. Like we've got a, an awesome game plan. But they don't even mention anything about synagogues in these last several verses. However, it does say that they go down to the river. So they're, they're still looking for people, but there's no synagogue. And the reason that there's not is because, it, and I didn't know this until I did a little bit of research, but it takes 10 people, 10 Greek men, Jews, to have a synagogue. I even read that there are, are some well-to-do Jews in certain areas where there are not enough uh, men to have a synagogue. They've actually paid people to move to that city so that they can have a synagogue. But Philippi does not have 10 Greek men, Jews, and so therefore they don't have a synagogue. So, you know, Timothy thought this was his big day. He's like, yep, got circumcised, and now it's time. Now it's my big time to go in there, talk to these men, uh, hopefully persuade them and show them uh, God's love and share this news with them that we learned when we were in Jerusalem. But that doesn't even get to happen. Instead, though, they do go down to the river, and the reason they go there is because it's on the Sabbath, and Paul knows that people will be washing themselves as part of like a ceremonial, in a ceremonial way to get ready to worship. So he goes there, and he runs into maybe a few men, but mostly it's Lydia and uh, the other women that are there with her. 
but he's able, um, God's able to speak to her heart so that when Paul does speak what he needs to say, she's able to listen, um, be baptized, and uh, invite him to spend more time together. And so just imagine if you got to a city, if you go on a mission trip or something like that, and you've got this plan, you get there, and there is not, no synagogue, or there's no person of peace, or there's nothing going the way that you thought it would go, you would probably not know what is going on. Like, God, why are you doing this? But in Isaiah 55, 9, it says, His ways are higher than our ways. God's ways are higher than your ways, definitely higher than my ways, for sure. And so what we have here is a lot of no's, right? And what are the results of those no's? Um, if you put the map back up, please. So one of the first results is, is that if Paul goes the way that he wants to go, if he goes east instead of going west, maybe you and I aren't Christians today because maybe the gospel doesn't reach where it needed to reach at the time that it needed to reach there, the Reformation and all the different things in Europe and the way that the, the gospel has made its way over to North America um, and is now making its way back to China and Asia, just areas over there where Paul wanted to go 2,000 years ago, but God had a different plan for him and things could have been very different for us. And then the next result of the no is that Luke, uh, uh, Paul meets Luke. And we have the book of Acts. We have the story of the early church because of this meet. Now, maybe um, it wasn't so chance that he meets up with, with Luke. You know, Luke was a doctor, so maybe the reason Paul was told no in other places is because he wasn't feeling well. Maybe, but we don't know. But what we do know is that God appointed them to be there at the right time, right place at the right time, and he sent them to where God sent them to where he wanted them to go. And then we know that Paul meets Timothy, and we have the books, the letters that Paul wrote to Timothy. And in those books, it explains how the church is supposed to govern, right? And so the reason that Connection Point Church governs the way that it does is because of what's written there in the letter that Paul wrote to, Tim to Timothy. And we do govern our church that way today, 2,000 years after that was written. And then we know that another result of the no's was that Paul was financed for his future journeys, for his future mission trips, um, because he got the Macedonian call. He went to Macedonia, Philippi, and he met Lydia. And, you know, Paul could have looked at it like, you know, God's closed all these doors for me, and he probably did. But he had no idea what God was doing and what, how something that was happening 2,000 years ago, would we'd be talking about it today and would shape the way that, like I said, we govern our churches, the, way, the, the gospel itself, the story, it, stories in Luke. If Paul doesn't meet uh, Luke, then maybe we don't have the book of Luke, the story of uh, the Virgin Mary and all that. There's so much that ties into it that when I first read this through the first time, I just I, I didn't see it at all. There's really so much going on. You know, God is the one that made all these appointments happen. If it had been up to Paul, he would have been somewhere else. He wouldn't have met these people, and things could have looked very differently. But it was true that he met Timothy, Luke, and Lydia. And so we could be tempted to maybe say, yeah, but that was 2,000 years ago. And the way that God worked back then is very different than he works now. We could be tempted to say it that way. And maybe I've even thought that a few times, maybe you've thought that a few times, that, well, God doesn't give people calls 
today like he did for Paul for the call, the Macedonian call. I mean, he tells me no a lot, but I definitely don't get that call, right? And, and that might have been Paul's thing. Maybe he, he didn't think he was getting the right call, but he did. And the, the, the same God that made that call to Paul 2,000 years ago is the same God that you and I are here today worshiping, and he's going to be the same tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that. The only, really, the only difference is, is us, and are we willing to hear the call? Are we willing to accept the no, to hear the call, and to know that God's ways are higher than our ways? And if we just miss the pains in our lives, if we gloss over those we miss the truth in this history. And in in what I've been reading to you today is history. If we miss the truth in that history of what Paul went through, if we just gloss over all the pain points, we don't, we cannot miss what God is doing in our lives and how he is doing that. And so I have uh, some questions today I want to go through. And, I, and as we leave here today, I, I want you to really reflect on these questions, write, write down your answers um, and, and think about them and really see what God is doing in your life. So the first one is, where is the Spirit of God leading you at this moment? I want you to think about that and ask God. You don't have to necessarily do it right now, but at some point today or tomorrow, I want you to ask God, where is your Spirit leading us? Where is it leading me? I want you to also ask, what is it God, what is God, what is it God would have you to do and be? What does God want me to do? What does he want me to be? I want you to ask yourself that question. Then, are you willing to ask God to show you the way? Are you willing to let the Spirit lead you, to tell you who you need to be, what you need to do, and are you willing to ask God to show you the way? Are you willing to see God at work in both your successes and your failures, in the good things and the things that go the way that you want them to, but also in the failures? We, back to what I said, you have a perfect plan, but if we're not following God's way, we're not letting him show the way, then in our successes we might feel alone and, in our, uh, and might not go to him. But we have to be willing to do it in our successes and in our failures. We have to ask him to show us the way and know that he's leading us no matter what. And the last thing is, are you willing to humble yourself and choose God's will over your own? Are you willing to see the things that God has in you? Are you willing to let the Spirit move you in the direction that, it, that He wants you to go? See, if the Spirit of God is leading us, we can grow. We can grow as individuals. We can grow as church members. We can grow as parents, anything. There's nothing too small. Our God is so big. And my daughter actually said something the other day when we were praying. And she alluded to, uh, well, why are we praying about that? That God has too many other things to think about. And I was like, huh, does he? Or are we just making God seem too small to, to, to where he wouldn't care about the little things? God, please let my car start today so that I can get to work, so that I can provide for my family, so that I can come home, spend time with my family, and do it again. The, the, the little things, the mundane things, the things maybe we don't think are as important. When someone asks, do you have a prayer request? You have a prayer request. No matter how small it is, come to God with all those things 
because all the yada, yada, yada is what's leading you from where you are to where God wants you to be. And if we miss all that stuff in between, we're going to forget the truth that God is saying about us, the truth that happened 2,000 years ago. We're going to miss it. And so there are going to be times when God tells you no, but don't miss what he's doing in those moments. It, it's, it can be tough. It will be tough. And like Joey said earlier, but you're going to get to a point where you're looking around going, how did I get here? And you can look back and know that it was God leading you the whole time. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for this day, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that your spirit is alive inside of us, that it can be alive, alive inside of us, Lord, that we can have a relationship with you, God, where you lead us in the direction that you want us to go every single day and the little things, things in between, the big things, God, you're always there. You've got it all figured out. God, we just have to trust you with all of our heart, God. I pray that we do. I pray that through the spirit, Lord God, that's inside of us, Lord, that we will trust you, we'll obey you, we'll listen to you, God, and we'll go where you want us to go, we'll be who you want us to be, we'll do what you want us to do, God. Lord, God, thank you for this day. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.